I would invite you to turn in your Bibles this evening to the book of Deuteronomy. There, the final chapter of the book of Moses' life, the one who put these words to paper or parchment, the one who has given us, um, though I don't think it's wise necessarily to compare Scripture to Scripture, it's hard to know what the rest of the Bible is about if you don't understand the first five books of the Bible. And these were given to Moses, uh, the 11th hand eyewitness to creation itself. We don't often think of history in those terms. And so with the death of Moses, uh, there was for many in Israel, well, for the whole nation really, a great mourning. He was unique in all of the Old Testament after his time. Even here in chapter 34, we read that there was no one yet like him until the coming of Christ himself. And so we find the death for what is and ought to be for us a hero of the faith. Deuteronomy chapter 34, I'll begin reading in verse 1. There's just 12 verses here at the end of this book. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali in the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he, that is the Lord, buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for, the Moses, for, uh, for Moses ended. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him. And did as the Lord had commanded him. But since then there has not risen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land. And by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Thus far, the reading of God's word, let me pray now for the blessing of the preaching of it. Lord, we come to you tonight, and we would ask of you the continued blessing and favor that comes to us when the word is read and preached. Or Lord, we ask that even now this evening, by your spirit, we might behold you face to face, and that we, like Moses, to gaze upon your glory and beauty, although through your word, that we might be transformed. 
that you might do it, O Lord, so that one day we will be gathered to you in glory and our faith shall become sight. O Lord, we thank you for your word and how it instructs us in the way and it gives us a glorious hope of the future yet to come. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. I remember when we first were looking at houses in Gastonia to buy, uh, there were not many on the market that could hold a family of eight in a way that we felt like was adequate. Um, We had a good realtor at the time, and in 2011, things were a bit easier in terms of the housing market, in terms of prices, but there were not many houses for sale. Uh, But we found a house. Someone showed us a house on Laurel Lane, and there... On Laurel Lane, uh, we entered into the property that would once become, or that would soon become our home. And I remember uh, walking the property, coming up from the back field that sits behind our house, which is really owned by Duke Power. It's a lovely field with power lines running through it, but it's a field nonetheless. And I remember looking up the hill at the back of the house and the grass and the trees. It was a beautiful time of year. And I thought... This is great. (laughs) It's a very pastoral scene. It was a romantic feeling, I admit, at the time. When Moses goes up on the mountain, God shows him. He does not show him the land as it was, filled with the unrighteous, idolatrous, pagan inhabitants across the ways, Jericho, as we read in verse 1. But God shows Moses there's the land that will belong to Dan, and that, that's where Naphtali will, will live. He shows him as the land, the land as it would one day be. Of course, he shows this to Moses because Moses would not go into the land. He sees it. He longs for it. Now, in my case, I long for it, and by God's grace, we were able to buy that piece of property, and now I walk that yard and go, oh, it's so much work. <laughs> For Moses, that faith did not become sight. It, well, it, that sight, I should say, did not become reality. He did not step his feet in that beautiful, glorious land. Instead, that duty would lie with Joshua, uh, who himself would be filled with wisdom. And God gave favor to Joshua so that for a time, even Israel listened to and followed the lead of the second in command. There on that mountain, Mount Nebo... Much happens on mountains with Moses and the Lord. He beholds the land, and there the Lord puts him to death and buries him. And while Moses goes up, up to the mountain, and then eventually up to be with his fathers, with the Lord, the people of God move on. This is the way it is, not only for the church then, but for the church now. Leaders rise, leaders fall, but the people of God move on. And this is the lesson we learn from it. Ultimately, the one whom we follow from the mountain into the land of promise, that land of peace and prosperity, we are led by none other than Jesus Christ himself. Tonight, I want to make two points that I think reveal that glorious gospel truth found in the book of Deuteronomy and in the Pentateuch. The first, Moses goes up, and the second, the people of God move on. Moses goes up. And the people of God move on. Let's look at the first point. 
Moses is taken up. He's taken up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo. And there, as I said, the Lord shows him the land as it would one day be in fulfillment to the promise that God had made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And God is making good on that promise. It is about to happen. And in fact, soon as we get in the book of Joshua, that's what happens first. They immediately cross the Jordan, spies are sent in, and then Israel comes to the wall of Jer- the walls of Jericho. They march around it, and that is the beginning of the conquest, where Israel, as a hand of God, drives out the wicked nations of the earth. Well, of that land. And so God calls Moses up. This is Moses' final mountain meeting with the Lord. This prevalent theme is significant because it is there on mountains with God that Moses was first called at the burning bush. At Sinai, he went up and in conference with the Lord was given the tablets of the law. And then the elders of Israel would follow Moses up to the mountain where they ate with God and they saw the backside of God and they communed with him. From time to time, Moses would go alone to be with the Lord on a mountain. And here on Mount Nebo, another one of those mountaintop experiences that would be his last. And there he is laid to rest as he goes up and he is buried at the border. Now, some interesting things to note As it relates to Moses' death, look at verse 5. Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. Let me put it this way. None of us really die of natural causes. All of us die at the superintendence of God. Yes, it appears to be and is, in fact, something to do with natural causes, but our days are numbered by God. None of our natural causes are the product of accident and purely nature. At this time, Moses is 120, but he is still full of vigor. His eyes were not dim, and his natural vigor was not diminished. Moses did not just die. In fact, what happens is the judgment of God. Many years prior, Moses failed to obey God by speaking to the rock so that water would issue forth. And in his anger at the people of Israel, he struck the rock, and there God sentenced him to an early death. He would not enter into the land, and for this reason, he failed to honor God as holy in the sight of Israel. This is a prophet. This is a minister. This is a a priest or king's first mission as a ruler over any kinds of people. What rulers of people are to do is uphold God as holy in the sight of the people. We also learn that our lives are in God's hands. Maybe he had many years left. We don't know if it were left just up to nature. But here Moses dies upon that mountain. He fails to enter into that place promised to Israel, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. But boy, what a life. Delivered out of the hands of the Pharaoh, subsequently raised in Pharaoh's court, raised by Pharaoh's daughter. 
He knew and was told and often thought about the great promise that was given to him that he would deliver Israel out of the hands of the Egyptians. And he was so earnest to get started that one night when he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave, he went and killed the Egyptian master. Murder. And for this reason, he had to flee. And for 40 years... He had fled and raised sheep for a time until one day he was on a mountain and he heard a voice issuing forth from a burning bush. And there God called him to go to Pharaoh and to tell Pharaoh on behalf of Yahweh, I am that I am, let my people go. And there Moses served. Great mighty plagues were performed. And then on that night when many died in Egypt and the firstborn sons and families of Israel were preserved as the angel of death passed over that land. Pharaoh kicked Israel out. Now he had some regret. He pursued Israel into the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And there God delivered, baptized Israel in the Red Sea. And then subsequently delivered them after their baptism to the mountain of God for worship. And then from Sinai on to the border. And there at the border Israel rebelled. They rejected the call, the exhortation of God to enter into the land. And so for 40 more years, 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in exile, 40 years in the wilderness. And here, at the end of these 40 years, he does not get to go in. But what a life. 120 years. And there he is laid to rest. Now, What is difficult for many of us within the church and what was difficult for Israel at the time is that at the death of Moses, what would it have felt like? Moses was with them through thick and thin. In fact, we often see in many churches, large churches, of which we might call Israel a large church. It's a mega church by today's standards, to be sure. Hundreds of thousands of people. Moses was a faithful judge, a faithful prophet, a deliverer of God's word, And on the day of his death and the occasion of it, for 30 days, the children of Israel mourned. Now, they mourned for many reasons. One of those reasons was, well, they missed Moses. And then they mourned also for themselves. Why would they mourn for themselves? Because their great leader was gone. And who would lead Israel? Very good. (laughs) You're right, Joshua would. (laughs) But Joshua's Joshua. He's not Moses. Although verse 9 we read, Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him. They obeyed and they would obey Joshua. But they wept for Moses because Moses was the guy. Not only was he the church planter, he was the first pastor. (laughs) He was the one who delivered the law. Moses was Israel. He was the poster child. Although he grew angry at times, he was the poster child of patience and forbearance. And there were even times where as an act of mediation, he stood between a holy, angry God and a sinful, undeserving people. And in this, he reminds us of the Messiah who would come. And so Moses only gets to glimpse what would come. And this is how every great figure in the Old Testament died. 
looking forward to the promise. It's interesting to think about that we, on the other side of the cross, looking back, though we have much to look forward to, die with that earnest zeal that God might come again. Moses died being confirmed and encouraged and shown what would be. And so with the death of Moses, we find the end of one era, but also the dawning and the beginning of another. But not just about Israel. For as important as Moses and Joshua were to the life of Old Testament Israel and to the church even today, what we find in the death of our heroes is that they were never meant to go beyond their station other than to serve the people of God for a time and to point us to an even greater Moses. In fact, when Moses dies... Deuteronomy 34 tells us what? That there would never be another one like him. It does not feel like an improvement, does it? But it does point us forward. And regardless of how much Israel missed Moses, they continued, they had to continue to obey the voice of God and move into the land so that they might be obedient and receive the inheritance promised to them. And I can imagine that there were many an Israelite man who fought for the side of Israel and as they were heading into battle thought for Moses. Let's do this for Moses. That's how men think after all. And so Moses saw what was to come, but even these saints who would die in the land of Canaan, either in battle or old in their beds, all teach us something about the role of men, human men, human women, human children in the course of God's unfolding of the plan of redemption, and that is what? Though we are part of God's story, we are not the central part of that story. Deuteronomy teaches us that the story of redemption does not end with Moses, and it does not end with Israel. It is about Christ and his people. It is about the fulfillment of the entire plan of redemption that God had laid down and was giving to the patriarchs and to Moses and to the Old Testament saints glimpses of what would come. Moses has a huge part to play, but he has the part to play of a mere mortal in that regard. Secondly, the people of God move on. The event that marks the change is the event that moved Israel forward. In order for Israel to continue, Moses had to die. That was part of God's promise to Moses. It was a condemnation. It was a sentence. It was not a judgment of anything other than Moses would not go into the land. But think of what Moses saw upon the occasion of his death and the glories and the delights that he enjoyed even after his death as he went to be with his father. And so though this represents for Israel a loss It was also a turn in the narrative. Israel now turned to face the land, and a few chapters later, not many moments after the death of Moses, shortly after, Joshua would lead Israel through the Jordan in the same way that Moses led Israel through the Red Sea, on dry ground through a body of water. 
the second baptism, not of the same people, but of a next generation. This is the baptism of the second generation. And after that baptism, God would bring them into the land of promise as a place where they would build for God a house with the also the mission to clear that land so that the land might be fit so that God may leave that house and dwell among his people. Now, I said earlier, as I read, even from the book of Deuteronomy, but since then, that is the time of Moses, verse 10, there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. What made Josh, uh, Moses unique? It wasn't his lived experience, as we are now in the habit of often talking about, right? Moses' lived experience. What kind of unique insights will he bring to the word? This is existential garbage. It was his dwelling in the face and in the presence of Almighty God. It was the condescending pleasure whereby Moses was invited into the presence of God and there by God's grace, God gave to Moses the words of the covenant and they fellowshiped together. In fact, Moses was on that mountain quite a bit and quite a lot. For a longer period of time than it would have simply taken for him to write down the law. What was happening? God was instructing Moses how to lead. He was teaching Moses. He was showing himself to Moses. Now, there are times in the scriptures where God reveals himself to men not as an act of kindness and transformation, but of judgment and curse. Not all divine appearances, like we find in the book of Exodus early on, are meant for the good of people. Men are what they are because God grants them by his grace to become what he wants them to be. Moses was not inherently capable. Remember what Moses said? I don't even know how to speak well in public. So what did he do? Well, he started the first Toastmasters Club. Did y'all know this? No, he didn't do that. God gave him the words to say. And when did God give Moses these words? In the secret councils at the top of the mountain. And this not because Moses was gifted. Moses was a murderer who couldn't talk so well. And yet God called him to be the deliverer of Israel. This is an extraordinary act of divine favor, mercy, blessing, grace. Moses was what he was because God made him that way. In the same way that we read Joshua was full of the Spirit because Moses laid his hands on him. And for that reason, the children of Israel heeded him. God calls Israel to listen to Joshua because God calls Joshua to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know who we listen to? God when he calls us to listen. In fact, that's the only way our ears and our eyes are opened. And so these encounters with Moses on the mountain are not just examples of a man dwelling in the presence of God. 
but God with his intentions of grace to bring about the fulfillment of his covenant promises. And so for us, what we are to see is this, that ultimately what God has in store is that all of his people may dwell with him as Moses did. And for this, Moses had to die. It was inevitable. Because we have to get to the Messiah at some point. And what does Yeshua mean? Well, in the New Testament, Joseph and Mary are told to name Jesus Yeshua, Joshua, because he will deliver his people from their sins. Joshua was named for the very act of his service, the deliverer. But even Joshua was not able to do what was necessary for the people of God to dwell in peaceful fellowship in that place where God would feel free to come forth and dwell with them. And yet even now, what we know is what? That Christ, by the Spirit, Almighty God, the Triune Lord, dwells among us. How did we get from Moses on the mountain to the Triune Lord dwelling in the midst of all, the whole earth, The earth is full of God's glory. And the whole purpose and plan of what we find in just the the prologue of what's coming, the book of Deuteronomy, is that God's intention is to dwell with all men as Moses dwelt with the Lord upon the mountain. Moses' life would give way to the Messiah as a gracious unfolding of the triune Lord's plan for redemption, Moses, Joshua, the judges, Samuel, David, Solomon, the prophets, each of them played parts in the Lord's story, and they are all where? Well, we don't know. They're dust. They're gone. But not so the one of whom they were types and shadows. And so as Israel moved on from the mountain, what did they learn? They learned the faithfulness of the Lord will continue, and their hope was not in Moses, but in the one whom Moses beheld face to face, the one who dwelt in the cloud, who would come down into the tabernacle, one day the temple. And so they left one mountain that was hard, only to cross a river and then pick a lot of fights. Much work remained to be done. Centuries of waiting and waiting and waiting until the promised Messiah would come. And they had to remember all the while, just as Moses, just as Joshua, just as the judges and the kings and the prophets would tell them and teach them, it is not a man that must sit upon the throne. It is not merely a man that you want on the mountain. There must be one greater even than Moses. And as the Old Testament Israelites read through the book of Deuteronomy 34, and they read verse 10, what were they waiting for? When will Moses come back? Right? Make Israel great again. (laughs) They were waiting for a man. We do this, don't we? When will that man come in whom we can put all of our eggs, that one basket? And oftentimes, we put our trust too much, chariots and princes. 
Moses, of course, in his life pointed the Israelites to the loving kindness and faithfulness of God. And that is what his death actually points us towards. That as we leave the book of Deuteronomy, what we are looking for isn't Moses, it is the greater Moses. The one who dwells in the presence of Almighty God, but not only dwells, but has dwelt with him for all eternity because he is co-equal. He is the eternally begotten Son of God, not made, but begotten, who beheld the Father face to face. And then in his life says, I and the Father are one. I haven't just seen him. I am that I am. And in fact, who buried Moses? It was the one who said to Lazarus, what? Come on up out of that grave. Come forth, Lazarus. It was the one who died and was raised. The eternal son of God. The eternal Logos was there on the day of Moses' death, and he is the one who put Moses in the ground. It was Christ who was with Israel in the Old Testament. And so as we're leaving Deuteronomy, there are observations that I've made about Moses, but there are also observations that we need to make about ourselves as it relates to the law, and that is this, that the love of the covenant people of God must be and is informed by the law of the covenant. If you and I are to love God rightly, if we are to know him and delight in him, we must be guided and our lives must be informed by the law. Because that is the intention. The law of God informs and guides our spiritual affections. Because the way to get to the top of the mountain is through what? The revelation that God has given to us. You must go on God's terms. Now the covenant, as I said earlier, is not merely about one Old Testament people of God, but Moses is our prophet. He is our father in the faith. And the God who revealed himself to Moses and transformed him is the God who reveals himself to us and transforms us. I know it doesn't feel like it on Sunday evenings. I know this, but this is a mountaintop experience. I'm not talking about the quality of the preaching or the congregational singing, whatever. There are many things for us as a little congregation, maybe and unrightly, and you ought to repent of it if you're doing it, scoff at. And children, I understand you may be sitting here going, what, a mountaintop? I'm hungry. When are we going to get home and have cereal? It's Sunday night. Nonetheless, the opportunity that we possess as those who now by the Spirit, whom Christ has poured out upon the church, in whom we dwell, has given us this great opportunity to be in his presence. And what does it do? Well, for some, the presence of God is terror and judgment. But for those among whom he works grace, the presence of God makes us new. And though we will one day go into the grave, and I know that Spencer Grigg talks about living to 120, but I don't think he's going to make it. (laughs) I don't know if I want to live to 120. I don't think I would be filled with such vigor and good eyes. I'd be going, I can't remember what I just read. (laughs) Ultimately, it is not to be buried by God that is our great hope. 
that is to be raised by him. And that is what Moses himself waits for. And every saint that has ever died in Christ. Not just to die in Christ, but to be raised by Christ. Because there is one who now ups the ante. There is one who has come who is greater than Moses. Who has seen the Lord face to face. And he didn't just see the signs. He's the one who performed the signs. He is the one who brought mercy, who brought power, who brought terror. He is the one who buried Moses, and he is the one who will raise him from the dead. In the end, brothers and sisters, we have one who moves us from the mountain, who moves us to the mountain. And that one is Joshua, the greater Joshua, Jesus Christ. Let's pray.